0: All right, let's take our Bibles again and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're looking at one verse this morning, but of course that verse needs to be supported by an Old Testament passage from Joshua. So we'll be looking at Joshua chapter 2 also this morning, so be ready in both those places. Before I start, let me just have a short word of prayer as I continue on. Let's pray. Lord, I desire to preach today, but I go weak and needy to my task. Yet, Lord, I long for your people that they might be edified by your word. I long that the Spirit of God would meet your word with his power, drive it home to our hearts, and change our desires and our wills towards you. I pray that today, Lord, and encourage us at the same time uh, and lift us up to recognize what we actually have in Christ and that we are special in your eyes because we are chosen in the beloved. Thank you, Lord, again. We praise you. We ask you, Lord, to use this day for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We're looking at the honor roll of faith and we've come to Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 31. Let me read that. It says, By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. That's all it says about her. It's an amazing statement there about this first uh, woman, Gentile woman, actually, mentioned in the honor roll of faith. But before I look at that, I don't want you to forget that the central figure in the book of Hebrews is Jesus Christ. He He is God the Creator. He is the Eternal. He is the Unchangeable. He is given the highest place in the universe. Christ is the object of God's final revelation. That's in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 1. And He is vastly superior to all spiritual angelic beings and all others mentioned in the Word of God from Abraham to Moses and onward. This should always be in our mind when we're reading the Word of God while we're studying this book and all the whole of the Word of God that Jesus Christ is the central figure from Genesis to Revelation in every book of the Bible. It's about Him. That's what it's about, the Bible. It's about Christ and what God the Father did through Christ and how He's given us a spirit after Christ left. It does teach the triunity of God and the unity of God in the Word of God. So, the last time I met with you in Hebrews, I said that the truth is, everyone does live by faith. The only difference is that biblical faith and non-Christian faith, the only difference is the object of our faith. Everybody has an object of faith. They have to, or there's no such thing as faith. The critical issue is what you believe or who you believe in. That's the critical issue. Faith has no validity without an object. Objective faith. Not blind faith. That's no faith. Objective faith means I have understanding of the one I'm trusting in. That I'm not taking a blind leap in the dark hoping I'm going to get caught. No. I know whom I have believed. I know who He is, because He has told me in the Word of God. So the ultimate faith object is the Son of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The fact that God is unchangeable is what makes Him eminently trustworthy. God cannot change. His Word cannot change. His promises and purposes cannot change. His plan cannot change. He will accomplish everything He said from every jot and tittle, every little mark of the Hebrew language. He will do it all. And this eternal consistency of God is why god is so faithful and why we can put our full and complete trust in him see so when people struggle with their faith when you and i struggle with our faith and do you struggle with your faith will you struggle in your faith once you become a believer in christ absolutely you will See, the struggle in our faith is not because our faith object has failed or has become insufficient. It is because we don't have true knowledge of God and His ways. That our knowledge of God has to be adjusted every time we hear the Word of God, every time we read the Word of God, every time we're presented with the Word of God... God is adjusting our understanding of who He is. In fact, He's driving out all the junk you think about God and what God ought to be, and He's putting in the right stuff. So you can truly have faith in Him. So you can truly understand what He is doing and what He wants you to know. So faith in God fails only when people have a faulty understanding of Him. That's when it fails. Oh, Christianity, I tried that, and that didn't work for me. Well, you didn't understand you didn't know who the the God who you were dealing with because if you did you wouldn't ever say that you would never say that so hopefully you wrote this down somewhere in your Bible last time I met and here's the key if you want your faith in God to increase you must increase your knowledge of God that's the bottom line Keep yourself away from the Word of God. Keep yourself away from the church, the program of God. The means of grace is given you, and you will not grow. Matter of fact, you'll go backwards. It may even indicate you never knew in the first place if you had a true saving faith in Christ. It may indicate that. So, in the honor roll of faith, we have seen God's faithful believing putting their faith into action. Displaying to us with faith, what faith is and what faith actually does. And the last time, Joshua and the people of Israel learned by stepping out in faith. By stepping out in faith, they learned something. They knew God and how God revealed himself and now they had to step out in faith because God said to them there's the land, it's yours matter of fact you already won the victory go get it see God, faith always has has an action to it it always calls us to do something see the object of their faith by stepping out in faith they learned that the object of their faith can be unquestionably obeyed. Can be trusted continually that when he says he's going to be present with them, he will be present with them. That can be absolutely relied upon at every single point, at every single minute, every single second of the day. And that can emphatically once You begin to learn how to live by faith can be emphatically shouted about and praised from your mouth. That real faith has an action, but it also, real faith, when you begin to grow in your knowledge of God, you can't shut up about it. It comes out of you. You have to tell it to somebody. It's like, you, you can't, you never shake up a Coke and then keep the tap on. I mean, you take that tap, it, it bursts out. That's how we ought to be as Christians. When we're growing our knowledge, our faith is going to burst. Right? That's where evangelism comes from. Evangelism comes from in a desire from being with God and realizing His plan and what He's done, what He's done for you, what He's given to us. That's where evangelism comes from. It's not a program. It's not a set of points you give people. It's your relationship with God. You're telling people what God's doing in your life. And people are thinking, man, I, I wish I had that. I've never experienced that. In fact, you're crazy. I don't even believe you. That's how they should respond. Because you know what? That's how it is sometimes. Have you ever thought of the, the daily faith needed to walk the Christian life? Sometimes your faith seems strong. Time to time it feels wobbly. Other times it's weak. One thing is sure. From salvation through sanctification, right up until the day you die, you need it, or you'll shrivel up. You need faith. You need to grow in faith, and faith grows when you grow in your knowledge of God. The Word of God tells us without it, we can't please Him. Moses actually summarizes the book of Exodus. And Joshua, kind of in this way, in Deuteronomy 6.23, he says, He brought us out from there in order to bring us in. That's what God does. Isn't that what God does? He brings us out to bring us in? It's a good summary of God's plan for the Christians. He brings us out of spiritual darkness and death. And he brings us into abundant life through Christ Jesus abundant life by way of sanctification and then on to glory that's it, God's plan is you get saved, you're sanctified and every day he sanctifies you growing you and growing you and growing you until glory that's what God's doing and believe me, it's an exciting ride if you're a Christian it's an exciting ride his mercies are new every day and there's a whole lot of stuff new every single day being excited about God be excited about Christ being excited about his word now today I wanted to uh, direct your attention to a woman in verse 31 in scripture who personified a pretty extremely unusual type of faith some have called it an overcoming faith her name was Rahab. She lived in Jericho. We talked about Jericho last, last time. And it says there, of course, in Scripture, by faith, Rahab the harlot. How would you like to be uh, referred to for all of time as Rahab the harlot? But see, there's a point to it. There's a point to it, and I'll get to that at the end of the message. It says there she did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now that word after is very significant because see, there's faith. Faith is described in after they stepped out. After she welcomed the spies because she believed something before she welcomed the the, the spies. See, she was a Gentile. She was a pagan. She was a heathen a woman well acquainted with sin. She was, Scripture says, a harlot, a prostitute. Probably by occupation, most likely, that was an occupation that many women in Jericho were involved with just to make money. On top of all that, she belonged to the Amorite race, who were already under God's curse for their gross Abominable immoral practices that are mentioned in Genesis. But in Genesis 15-16, God marked them for an appropriate time of judgment. After the children of Israel were 400 years in bondage, God says that the iniquity of the Amorites would rise to the top and it would, it would burst and God would hold judgment. And this is what it says in Genesis, then in the fourth generation they will return here for... The iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. See, God gives time for people to repent. In fact, there's a good possibility God was giving time for them to repent just for the sake of Rahab. So here's the question: here's the question. How did a prostitute get onto the honor roll of faith? How did she get on the same roster as Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua? Well, there's just an obvious answer in Scripture, and it's right there in verse number 31. First two words. What does it say? By faith. By faith. That's how she got onto the roster. In fact, that's how you and I get onto the roster. By faith. From what we, what we gather from Scripture, Rahab had all ears. What I mean by that is her ears were wide open, always longing in her heart to hear the stories concerning the God of Israel. And we'll look at those passages in, in a minute. But you know what was happening to Rahab? as she was hearing the stories, hearing the stories, hearing the stories, every time she heard something about the God of Israel, she was increasing in the true knowledge of God, and therefore her faith in God was exponentially increasing. That's what was happening. Remember that little passage of Scripture in Hebrews 10, 17? What does it say? Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God God or the word of Christ. See that's how our faith increases by hearing and what a blessing it is to hear God's word for these things on our the side of our head to hear God's word is is a tremendous blessing and the mercy of God right to us. See faith is the key that unlocks the cabinet of God's promises. So before we look at the scriptures, let me just give you some background. The city of Jericho stood for about 400 years. Its inhabitants were actually thought to be invincible. But during this particular period, when now the nation of Israel was on the other side of the Jordan, and now they have, of course, by the story of Joshua, have taken Jericho... Not taking it yet because Rahab's still there. So its inhabitants were known by all those around to be invincible. Probably that's why they were that fortified city. Right when you came across, but during that period of long history, the tables were turned. The people of Jericho were actually scared. They remained on guard. They, the, the The city remained shut up. The two spies. That were sent out by Joshua entered the city. Then they entered the harlot's house. And when the guards came to get the spies, she said they already left the city. But they didn't already leave. She hit them up top on top of the roof. Right? And, uh, and they were there waiting. And some have used this passage of scripture, I might as well bring this up right here, to justify lying. But that's not the point of the Hebrew narrative. The leap, in fact, the leap from prostitution to lying is not a big leap. Matter of fact, it's most likely some of the skills of her profession. You had to be a good liar. However, as uh, John MacArthur says, it was not right for Rahab to lie. Even though her heart was open to God's saving truth, her knowledge of him was extremely limited. She was a victim of her own fallen nature, and her ethics were those of a corrupt Canite culture. But her lie was really unnecessary. No lie, no lie provides any assistance to God. He doesn't need help from us, especially help that have sinful efforts. He needs none of that. Also, we don't even know if she was saved yet. She definitely was not yet sanctified, but we do know she was soon to be saved. In fact, all the guards left and were in pursuit of the men outside the city, and she went up to the roof to talk to her welcomed guests. She was eager to express to the spies her faith in the God of Israel. And there are three important things to notice about the prostitute's faith. Number one, it was expressed in a confession. It was also personified in an action. She did something, and then it was realized in the reward. That actually God brought to pass what she hoped for. So Rahab represents really all people who have been annihilated alienated from the life of God, and also she represents every one of us in the human race guilty of spiritual harlotry and unfaithfulness to God. Every single one of us were unfaithful to God's spiritual harlots. So each of us can find hope really to be saved, to be sanctified, to be used by God from Rahab's example, and by considering God's dealings with Abraham I want you to take note of these three things. And the first one, and this is where I need you to turn to Joshua chapter 2, and we want to look at how this faith was expressed. I have had a uh, dental surgery this week, and I'm on antibiotics, and it feels like I'm I'm in a desert, uh, that these antibiotics have taken all the moisture out of my body. And so I feel like dying here so if I drink water that's why and uh, anyway the Lord's uh, sustaining me today but I want you to notice uh, in the word of God this first thing that faith is expressed in a confession right again remember you grow in the knowledge of God you got to tell somebody she's bursting here look what it says in Joshua chapter uh, 2 and verse number 8 she first confessed really her knowledge of the situation it says in verse 8 now before they lay down These are the spies on her roof. She came up to them on the roof, verse number 9, and said to the men, look what she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. There's one of her confessions right there. I know the Lord has given you the land. And of course, uh, just stopping there, she was quite aware that her home, Jericho, was... Being taken by the Lord and given to going to be given to His people, the Israelites. So she had been following the news closely, and she had been taking notes in her heart, and she was convinced that the Lord God was different from all the gods that she had ever known. She was polytheistic; she uh, they worshipped many gods, and none of those gods produced anything for her, and she was af- she was afraid too of the news that had taken its toll on the inhabitants look, so look at verse number 9 she also confessed the morale of the people verse number 9 says the second part of the verse and the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land the land have melted away before you so, so here's the morale of, there is no morale one thing if you know anything about soldiering about going to battle if the morale is low you're in trouble If there's fear within the troops, you're already in trouble. And so that's the case here. They were literally scared to death. In the inner man, the people had melted and become like water. They had no strength or ability to go up against such a formidable foe as the God who fights for his people, the God who speaks to his people. Now she gives a reason for such a drastic morale change. Fear, and just remember this, fear alone never saved anyone. But fear properly responded to can bring a tremendous result in someone's life. Fear can actually be healthy, a healthy motivator to get some to see their true need. Of the true and living God and for their deliverance. In fact, if you look down at verse number 11, it says, When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. I like what Ecclesiastes tells us when I was preaching many years ago through that book, uh, where it says in chapter 3, verse 14, I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it and then it says this and there is nothing to take from it for God has so worked that men should fear him see God has worked everything out in the world in a way to bring all of us to a place where we begin to yes shake in our boots about how our condition is before a holy God see God's worked that way And so, therefore, God is concerned that when trouble comes in your life, when life gets all twisted and not confusing and you can't even unravel it, that is the very time we begin to ask the questions that God wants us to ask. Where do I stand before God? Am I right with God? Am I not right with God? Am I heading for for heaven or hell? Is there such a place as heaven and hell? I never believed it, right? But I I have to believe it if God's Word says it. It must be true. And if I don't want to go there... See, fear is a motivator. For Proverbs says, as a matter of fact, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge, right? Knowledge of what? Knowledge of who. Fear, see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge of Him. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right? Proverbs sets it up. Either when we're born, we're all foolish. And some people don't grow. To become wise, they stay in there being naive, or they stay being. They grow into a scoffer, or they just become more foolish. But see, the, the the plan for God is that we would grow and become wise as we grow every day of our life, and learn to use the Word of God to honor Him and to be a good sight to those look who look at our life. We not, not ever in perfection. But see, that's what we have here. So fear drove Rahab to think of the character of God. The character of God she had not known, but she sure liked to know. She heard about, but she has not known him yet. See, the miraculous work done by the living God on behalf of Israel had made such an impression on her that she was convinced of the truth. And again, her confession continues. Look at verse number 10. She has to tell of the, the God's work that she knows about in verse number 10. For we have heard how the, God, the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of what? The Amorites. She's from the Amorites. Her people. Matter of fact, the Amorites were a ruthless people. They were a very powerful and ruthless people. And she was part of those people. And they were a vicious people. No one could win against them. And it says here, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan in Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. I love that word. You utterly took care of. God annihilated them and then she confessed one, one other thing in verse number 11 she confesses the knowledge, of she, the knowledge she had of the person the power and position of God look what she says in verse 11 in the middle of the verse for the Lord your God look what it says what does it say he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath is, uh, brethren is, is that at all for f- fulfilling a necessary condition of biblical faith To believe God is, right? Didn't he say that in verse number 3 of Hebrews 11, where it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made without things which are visible. And then verse number 6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. And then what? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So she is at the point now, because of fear in her heart, fear in her city, that, listen, this God of Israel, this God's awesome. This God's done things I've never heard before. This God's annihilated my people who I know have been ruthless and wicked and immoral. And powerful to win over their enemies, and God wipes them out, and takes down their kings and everything with them. I've never heard of a God like this. I want. Doesn't it want to get? Doesn't it want you to get to know God more? When when you begin to hear the word of God, see God's election of Rahab. And Rahab's reception of the truth about the living God resulted in a faith that does something. Here she is; she's telling and she's bursting. And look what it says. The second point here is that faith is personified in an action. Verse uh, we look at verse number. Go back to up to Joshua chapter uh, two, and I want to look at the context here. See, remember Hebrews eleven thirty one: by faith Rahab the harlot after. She welcomed the spies in peace. Look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. Verse 2, it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land, the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying bring out the men who have come to you you ha- who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the land but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and she said yes the men came to me but I didn't know where they were from it came about when it was time to shut the gate at, at dark that the men went out I do not know where they went pursue them quickly for you will overtake them, but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the floor on the roof. In verse seven, so the men pursued them on the road to, uh, to the Jordan, to the uh, to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, she shut the gate. They shut the gate. Verse eight. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So Rahab was saved, really, by faith that produced works. Rahab's faith in the living God put her at risk, though. It was, she was at risk to receive the spies. She was at risk of her life, of her home, of her income, of her family, of her future. Th- yet she held to trust in God. She held to the trust, trust in God to, in His power, in His mercy. And even James picks up the subject of Rahab where he says, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also, fought, also justified by works? When she received the messengers and sent them out by the other way, see, she proved her faith by her works. Protecting the spies was a demonstration of her faith it was the action of her faith she believed when she accepted the spies and it says in hebrews she accepted the spies in peace there's a little term in peace there that means as friends not as enemies to be delivered up she received them as friends so god was already changing her heart towards those who were supposed to be her enemies now they're her friends See, that's what faith does. But there's a third thing that faith does, and it's this: faith helps us realize the reward that after she received the spies, then everything exploded for her. Everything changed in her life, when she trusted the God of Israel. What happened? Well, the first thing that happened is that she was picked out, chosen for protection. Look what it says in verse 21. Well, verse number 12 of Joshua 2. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. Verse 13. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And then verse 14. So the men said to her, Our life... For yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And then look down at verse number 19. It says, It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on own. Our head, if a hand is laid on him. So they're making a covenant with one another. In fact, the very word for kindness here is chesed, which means a loyal, faithful covenant promise between two parties. And so this is what's going on here. So the men are displaying to her the kindness of God. She heard about God who's powerful, the God who destroys kings and parts water for his people, but now she's experiencing the love of God. The love, the, the mercy of God is being displayed to her, and she is listening, and she believed their word and obeyed their covenant. See, that's what she did. In fact, again, remember what the passage of Scripture says in Hebrews eleven thirty one 31. 31, by faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient. So everybody else was disobedient and she was obedient. She believed their word and obeyed their covenant. And it says she obeyed. And Obeyed is equated with faith. Faith is equated with obedience. Faith is equated with obedience. Everyone else was disobedient, and unbelief is referred to as disobedience. It's it's, it's like in the Gospel of John, where it says in John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not, what? Obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, you have the same thing going on there that obey is equated with faith. So see, in other words, salvation is an obedience to God. And those who don't obey the call of God are in disobedience. That's it. There's no one else. And so we see here that she is picked out for protection. She is picked out uh, by God to be uh, set aside when Israel comes and takes over the city, and that's what we see actually in chapter 2, verse number 18. For uh, She's identified for being passed over. All right, Being passed over. It's, a, it's the same kind of principle. And this means that they would really need something to identify her. They needed a sign to signify that they should pass over her for destruction and come to her when they got there to identify that she's the one to be protected. And of course, with, what was that thing? It was a scarlet cord. It was the identifying mark for the spies to confirm their oath of protection. Look at Joshua two eighteen. Unless it says, when we come into the land, you tie the cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all of your father's household. And then, of course, in verse 21, again, she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window and she left it there. She was in no way going to get passed over on this one. She had faith, and her faith now is producing all this action, all this work. Genuine, saving faith is proven by the works that we have in our everyday living. And she has this here, that the spies will identify Rahab and her family by the scarlet cord hanging in the window. And then in Joshua 2.24, it says, They burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and irons they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. Now, what was the identifying mark for Israel? Wasn't it the blood? In Exodus 12.13, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses of where you live and when I see the blood I will pass over you no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt well it's the same thing that happens with Rahab that the scarlet cord is really a picture of her faith in the God of Israel and the identifying mark that the destruction should come on everyone else who's disobedient except this harlot who's been obedient to God's word. And because of her obedience, what does she do? She gets to save her whole family. She gets to save her whole family. That's, that's quite remarkable. So you're saved today and because Jesus Christ is your substitute, right? You're saved today because you were sprinkled with the blood of God and that blood was applied to your heart and so God can now pass over you. That's the scarlet tread. That, that's the sign over you. And you are only protected from the wrath of God and eternal destruction if you are under the blood of Christ. If you are not under the blood of Christ, you are still disobedient. You are disobedient to God's call to come. Come and be saved. Come and get rescued from your sin. Come and get rescued from the wrath of God. Come and get rescued by faith, do it. With all your sin, come by faith because Christ is taking care of you. Of the just penalty of God for those who would come and believe, who will obey God. That's what God does. If His blood has washed away your sin, then you are accepted in the beloved, you are welcomed in the family of God. You are in the family of God. You have been given authority to be called Romans, John chapter 1. Children of God. I'm a child of the God who created the heaven and the earth. I am a child of the God who died on the cross in my place to provide for me eternal salvation. I am the God who's preparing a place for me that I will stay with Him and live with Him for all eternity. I am a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How could you ever not want that? how could you not want that? So, look what it says about Rahab. She was accepted into the congregation of the Lord. I think this is in Joshua chapter 6. Let me look there quickly. In verse number 17 is what I may be looking for. Or maybe not. See, Joshua. See, I lost my place. I got to preaching to you, and I lost my place. Well, anyway. I believe it's... I Joshua chapter 6 verse 17 but it this is what it says you'll get the point it says the city shall be under the band yeah, and and all that is in it belongs to the Lord only Rahab the harlot that's this is probably chapter 2 still and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers who we sent and then it says what is it 117 our... Six seventeen. All right, 617, I I, I knew it was not chapter 2. And then verse 23 of chapter 6, it says this. Turn there. It says, So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab. Is that the right place? All right, see that? Thank you. And her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had, they also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. Then look at verse 25. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had Joshua spared. And then here's the phrase I want you to see. And she lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out of Jericho. The evidence of true faith and real conversion and real change is seen in this situation where she went from polytheism theism to monotheism from a pagan idolater to a worshiper of the true and living god she went from belonging to a people the animal were under the curse of god because of their sin to belong to the people of god under god's blessings See. By faith, Rahab believed in the Lord God and she received the reward of living the rest of her life with the people of God. She went from being an immoral prostitute to believing in the honor and institution of marriage. She married Salmon and raised the godly son. She went from being a, on the bottom of the socio- socioeconomic ladder the lowest you can get to being in the bloodline that would bring forth Jesus, the Messiah. In fact, she married an Israelite named Salmon. She had a son named Boaz. Boaz married Ruth, who had a son named Obed. To Obed's family was born Jesse. Jesse. To Jesse was born David the king, and from the bloodline of David the king was born Jesus Christ. She went from a prostitute to a prince because she came to Christ. She had to be saved by the, on the other side of the cross, the same where we're saved on this side of the cross. If it wasn't for the centrality of the cross of Jesus Christ, no one could be saved, Old Testament or New Testament. Christ had to die for the sins of all humanity, for those who would believe in him, right? Whatever side of the cross you live on. Is that not a tremendous epitaph of someone who has faith? To go from a prostitute to a princess. And we, in a sense, go from paupers to kings, to those who reign with Christ. In fact, you can find the genealogy of what I just gave you in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 through 7 and then verse number 16. Here's verse number six. let me read it to you. Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba who had been the wife of Uriah Solomon was the father of Rehoboam Rehoboam was the father of Abijah Abijah was the father of Asa and then down to verse 16 Jacob was the father of Joseph the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born who is called the Messiah this means that Rahab was a princess and ancestor of Christ she belongs to Jesus Jesus by Christ's blood. She belongs to Jesus and to Christ's bloodline, both physically and spiritually. She went from being a pagan harlot to a child of God. And all I can say is, oh, the sweet and deep grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to save anyone. See, in other words, if I can put it like this, if he can save a harlot, he can save anyone. No matter how far you have fallen in your sin, mercy is there for you. The demonstration of the cross of Christ is there for you to come and take of the water freely. Come all who thirst and drink. That's what salvation is. That's what faith is. Come, come and drink. You're thirsty. I can be satisfied by trusting in Christ to fill me and satisfy my soul and save me and make me right with him. Here's the picture of true conversion in the Old Testament. And Romans 11 tells, us, tells the story. And that's why we have in Romans 11, verse 31, by faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. How did she get saved? By faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Again, I stand in awe of your word. I stand in awe of your mercy and your grace and your wisdom and your power and your kindness that you display not only to Rahab and to all who've gone before her, but even to us. It's still available to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I praise your name for all that you have done and and will do in our midst. And I ask you, Lord, to take your word and stir people with it. For those who are believers, I pray they would grow in their knowledge of God so their faith explodes. For those who don't know you, Lord, I bring them under the fear of God until they realize and shake before an almighty God about where they may end up if they don't come and trust. And the only provision you have to have our sins forgiven to be made right with you, O Lord, please do that today. Holy Spirit, will you do that? And Lord, as we come now this morning to obediently partake of the visible elements you've given us in the Lord's table, I pray, Lord, that we would do it in an honoring and a worthy way, in a way that is serious and yet joyful, a way that we realize the communion that we have with you and the peace that we have with you because of Christ shed blood in our behalf that we have been passed over that we have been set aside not for destruction but for blessing I praise you Lord for that and I thank you Christ's name Amen